Welcome to the Fusebox Podcast. This is episode 11. I am Betelehem Makonnen. And I'm Anna Gallagher-Ross. Today on the podcast, we talk to 2018 Fusebox Festival artist Kate McIntosh about her practice and the work she's bringing to the festival in April in many hands. We hope you enjoy the conversation. begin and um, I guess we could just start maybe with just an introduction to uh, our listeners or readers who are not familiar with your work Um, just however you would like to begin just by introducing yourself we'd appreciate that so yeah uh, hi my name's uh, Kate McIntosh and I'm an artist uh, living in Brussels and um, but I'm originally from New Zealand and I've been living in Brussels for a long time. Um, I make performances. I used to be, I was trained as a dancer and I uh, used to work as a dancer for a long time. But now I make all kinds of different performances. Some of them are really um, stage-based and others are much more interactive uh, with the audience. I wonder if we could just ask sort of the beginnings of or where In Many Hands came from for you um, and just sort of its origins and uh, and uh, how you feel about it now and where it's at. Um, In Many Hands is a piece that, uh, it's actually the third in a kind of trilogy that I made, which are all based on um, involving the audience in different ways. And this was a really um, new investigation for me. It's something I never had tried uh, because I always really made stage pieces before. Um, and this piece was is kind of the culmination of all my experience. Um, and it's a piece, I, th- I think in my work, I got really interested in how the body of the audience gets involved or can be involved um, in the performance on an experiential level. And that was kind of the beginning of this piece. And I knew that I wanted to make something very immersive where the audience was really inside it and would be activating things themselves and would be following their own curiosity um, and that they would do things kind of at their own pace and uh, discover things really together. So I knew, so there is no real separation between performers and audience. Actually, you might never know who the performers were. Um, And uh, I also wanted to make a piece that was really about sensory... um, sensory emotions are really exploring your own uh, sense of touch and sound and smell and visuals and so on so this was all the starting point of the piece and um, we had a premiere about a year ago and now we've been touring it um, quite a lot we've been on the on the road around in Europe with this piece and um, actually I've been discovering a lot it changes uh, it changes a lot with every audience that comes in so as I tour, I get to learn more about uh, about how it works and how people react and and what experiences people have. <laughs> Wonderful. Um, I mean, this this work is so there's such an intimacy with it, and uh, just the the scale of engagement. Um, and I was wondering is is that something that features in your work, or is that a change? Just the 
immediacy and intimacy of In Many Hands? And if it is, how did that change come about for you? Um, Well, there were these last three pieces I made that are really about um, inviting the audience to be involved. And I think I got started on, and that was a big change for me, as I was saying, and I I think I got started on that because... um, yeah, I myself, as an audience, I'm, I don't like participation very much. So I am often the slowest and the most cautious um, member of an audience. You know, when you're asked to do something, I'm often very, I need convincing, let's say. Um, and so I became, and I've very often been in situations where I'm very uncomfortable um, for that reason in, in pieces that are participative. And so I became really curious to understand, wow, what is that dynamic Um why, why are some of us not comfortable with this and, and what, what is going on? So I kind of set myself this challenge to see if I could make um, something that even I would be curious enough and, and um, trust enough to really get involved. So I kind of made it from this perspective, you know, as a, as a challenge to find out if that was possible. And the piece, um, the piece is, I suppose, very intimate. As the title suggests, it's really in your hands, so you are very involved on a tactile level, let's say. Um, and I work very hard to build up um, a, how can I say, an atmosphere um, where that is possible and where people really feel comfortable. And one thing I've really felt um, happy about with this piece is that um, you know, all kinds of audience come in and I can see that some of them are a little apprehensive about what's going to happen. And I think we've managed to really introduce it in such a way, like it's very gentle, it's very simple. You have a lot of agency and autonomy to decide what you're going to do and how and so on. And I see people really relax and by the end, uh, um, it's really clear that people have have made the most of of being there and have enjoyed themselves a lot without feeling that they're uh, somehow um, I don't know being provoked or something. So um, and I think my interest it, it really has well maybe it's useful if I describe the show a little bit more. Um, I, actually, it's it's not that easy to talk about this show because I try to say as little as possible beforehand, just because there's many surprises inside that are really pleasurable if you haven't uh, if you don't know about it before. But it's for a small group of audiences, forty five people, and um, we arrive and we and we do a small introduction to the to the performance, and then after that, there's uh, really no talking. So it's one feature is that we don't uh, speak while the pe- while the thing is going. And the audience, they all go in and they we sit at these long uh, tables, very beautiful tables with white tablecloths and uh, in a really beautifully lit space. And we begin this kind of exploration of, of um, tactility and so on by meeting a lot of different objects um, and passing them hand to hand. And this uh, has various evolutions and um, and so on. And it's really meant as a kind of stimulation to your senses and we work quite hard also to make it to make people very curious because I think this is one of the biggest uh, motivations that uh, gets people involved is the fact that they just become very interested and very curious about what's going on. Mm. But to get back to your question, I am very interested in um, communities. I think, and I think this piece um, is a very unusual way to spend time together as a group. And like I say, it's really nonverbal. And I'm also really interested in human bodies. And I think this just comes from my choreographic background uh, and working as a dancer. And I transferred my interest from the, the bodies of dancers towards um, the bodies of the audience. I just became very interested in who, who's out there and uh, 
and I think it's a very like this piece in many hands it's a very unusual kind of gift to spend time with your own senses uh, for a while and to discover your own reactions and notice how other people react and I think this is what the what the piece offers hmm. beautiful mm -hmm. and could you speak a bit about how this piece uh, relates to the rest of the pieces in the trilogy um, how it was to work with the kind of form of the trilogy for you? Sure. Um, well, the first piece I made in this series was called uh, Work Table. Um, it's also toured to the U.S. It was in New York this year. Okay. And um, that's an installation where you go in uh, one person at a time. So it's really, it's not a performance at all. It's, it's really an installation. And, and uh, it's a series of rooms. And in the first room, uh, you meet a host and they invite you to choose an object that you're going to work with and there's these about 40 very beautiful domestic objects like beautiful ceramics or a toaster or a typewriter or a teddy bear or a rose like lots of things that maybe you might have at home or your grandparents might have at their place and um and lots of machines and things too anyway and you're asked to choose an object and to work with and um actually you you're asked to take this object apart and then you move through these series of rooms where in the first room you take apart your object and you have a lot of tools and things to work with. And then later um, you leave the pieces that you took apart, you leave them um, there and you choose uh, the pieces of another object that somebody else took apart and you put it together. And um, and then there's a finally there's a small uh, display where you can see what everyone has uh, made who came through before you. And this piece... Um, piece to it a lot and one of the things I like about it is that people are you work alone so I mean some of the rooms are a bit social because you share the space but um, basically you're there on your own and I really loved how it gives you plenty of time to think and to and to just um, go at the pace that you want to and spend the amount of time that you want to and people generally people spend about 45 minutes or an hour in there but uh, the record is five hours I think so um, and I I really enjoyed how deeply people would fall into this process and then afterwards they would tell a lot of stories because uh, it's open for several days so I don't know a few hundred people can go through and um, there's a lot of stories afterwards about people what they thought about and and uh, how they what they did and um, so this that was the first piece and then the second piece was a stage show called All Ears and that was a solo and that piece is much more classical theatre in the sense that the audience I mean, I'm the performer and I stay on stage and the audience stays in the auditorium and they sit on their chairs as usual. But I really wanted the I wanted the audience to be part of making the show. So I did a lot of um, development in making, uh, checking how the audience could become a kind of orchestra or a choir. Because actually when you see um, an audience sitting in an auditorium, they actually look, they're arranged quite a lot like a, like a choir or an, or an orchestra. So in that piece, actually, the, the audience ends up making quite a lot of the soundtrack um, uh, kind of sound landscapes um, during the show. And this was also a lot of fun because uh, it's a way that people can really enjoy being involved. And it's, it's not confrontational because in a way you're just buried in the crowd with everybody else. But it's also a great way to get to know the people around you really by listening and, and um, just feeling each other there as a kind of big team so there for me was this communal element that built up um, in my research about uh, involving the audience and then I would say that in many hands is a kind of a culmination of both of those experiences in the sense that I wanted to make a piece that as I said that is communal where people do things together 
But I also wanted to have a minimum of kind of negotiation and discussion and need to reach any kind of consensus in order for things to happen, which is what I liked about Worktable, the first piece, where you just do things the way you want to do them. And so we, together with the two other performers, which is uh, Arancha Martinez and Josh Rutter, we are the three that um, activate the performance, we just did a lot of research on how to set up very simple games, I suppose you could call them, which people learn very quickly without talking, and they're very obvious uh, how to do and why you would do them. And this is what happens um, between people at these tables, and that's how things evolve. But then um, there's a very subtle, very nice communication f just between your neighbours, between the people, one on, on each side of you. And um, like this, there's, a, there's this um, kind of social contact, which people, sometimes afterwards, people are really happy about it. They're very touched, actually, because you always sit between strangers um, while the show is running. I guess what I was thinking about hearing you talking is, you know, this this interest you seem to have also with communicating with objects or through objects. So uh, how how do you go about choosing these objects that you um, then set up for the audience to have such an intimate experience with, um, be it in work table or in many hands? How What is the process of choosing uh, I guess, these means of mediation. Each time the process has been really different for finding the, the objects. Um, for Worktable, it was really important that they were objects that everybody recognized and they would probably have one at home. Um, um, so they're really domestic, daily kinds of objects. But they're also very beautiful. They're the kinds of things you really want to take home and use so they still have a whole life ahead of them and so on And at that moment where you take it apart. Um, and... I wanted also that you would be learning a lot about these objects by taking them apart. So a lot of them are really quite mechanical. They're not digital. Um, we really choose old cameras and typewriters and alarm clocks and things like that. Or they're just um, very... Uh, it's sometimes very interesting to see what's inside a thing, like uh, this beautiful big shell or... Uh, um, or sometimes it's just really satisfying to smash them extremely loudly, like in the case of the ceramics. So there's this, there's always this double edge with every object around really the tactile experience of the thing uh, and the, the aesthetic um, experience of it. And of course, there's always a layer of meaning that comes with every um, object. But this is also very unpredictable. Um, objects have very different meanings from one person to another. And this is one of the reasons I love to work with them is that they're, again, because they're not language, because they're not based on words, they don't explain themselves. Um, each person takes an object and they and they have another backstory, another um, set of associations, different kinds of values that come um, with those objects. And um, uh, to give an, another example, in, in Worktable it's really interesting to see how people value things differently. If, for some people, if the older the thing is, the more valuable it is. If it's a beautiful ancient book or, or a typewriter or, and so on, for them that's what's valuable. For other people, if it's the brand new... Um, sports shoe, you know, or something, then it's never been used, and for them, this is where the value is, and, and so on. But for In Many Hands, it was a really different process. We um, we looked for objects that were sensori sensorially very satisfying, and um, we had a long process where we just, <laughs> I think we tried about half the world's objects um, in the process. Uh, 
But we've ended up with this amazing collection of things, which is what is offered to the audience to experience. And um, a lot of them are really from the natural world. They're, um, and they're also somehow based on the body, like um, hair and... Well, I'm not going to tell too many details, but things that also remind you of your own um, corporality or your own materiality um, as you handle them. And... Uh, so we yeah we needed things that have a very what I would call a strong resonance um, as objects that they you you feel the history and you also feel their um, sometimes they're just surprising to touch or to look at really up close. Hmm. Hmm. I I really love the sort of simplicity with which you've crafted all of these invitations into these three works, but there's such an art to creating these scenarios. And I really, I really appreciate that um, in the work that you do. I was wondering to depart a bit from this conversation about the show. I understand that you're in residence at Kai Theatre. Is that right? Yeah. And that'll be a five, is that a five year residency? Yeah, exactly. It's this is the first year. It'll go for another uh, four years. Well, as a North American, to me, five-year residencies are just such an exciting concept um, and just unheard of here. And I wonder, could you talk a bit about what it's like to be in the first year of that residency and what that kind of years of laboratory is for you? I mean, I love the way you talk about time and the liveness of the encounter in your work, and I'm just curious how that works for you in the actual creation process over the next next five. Yeah. Well, it's true that here, um, I don't know how things are uh, uh, where you are, but um, here in Europe, and it's one of the reasons why I chose to, to live here, actually, um, it's true that we get these, uh, it's possible to have these beautiful, long, re- uh, well, rehearsal times or research times um, before the premiere of a piece. And this is something I've found really completely invaluable and um, actually very necessary also. I, I feel it in the quality of the work that I see around um, around me as well. And, um, I mean, in the case, for instance, of Making in Many Hands or all the other pieces I talked about is that I get to do a lot of test audiences along the way so we can really try many different ideas before we arrive at the final thing. And um, this this is really invaluable for, for arriving at something simple and good, as you were saying before, because um, often the first idea is not the one that's going to work the best. Um yeah, I've. I mean, now I've been in in Belgium for seventeen years, I think, and uh, so the residency at Kai Theatre it flows very well into this um, trajectory here. But um, I must say that I, I think generally um, the Belgian arts uh, field is is really well supported. So um, through my whole career here, I've. I've um, very much appreciated the way that there's uh, culture is taken very seriously as a very necessary part of um, public spending, for instance, and um, a lot of um, it's very clearly articulated what artists need in order to get good work uh, happening, and this has been um, respected and wherever possible cultivated. So I actually have relationships with many theatres, uh, some in Belgium, but some also in Germany and, and elsewhere where I can go on these residencies quite regularly, actually. Many artists can, and we, we have um, many resources available to, to do good quality work. And this is, I think also, I've, I'm a big believer in uh, public funding in the sense that uh, it makes it very 
transparent and also very consequent, let's say, over longer periods, um, how people are supported in the field and, and which kinds of work can develop and so on. But of course, this is all possible because there's just um, good resources have been allocated for that. So it's, I mean, it's really great now to be at Kai Theatre, but I, it's part of a big, bigger picture of um, very good grassroots and um, support to be found here. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, a five-year residency is just, uh, it, it's really special and just unheard of, just the time that it gives you to really work and really think and distill, like you said, um, is really special. To be clear, because I, I don't know what a residency means in, uh, <laughs> in America. <laughs> just to give you an example, I mean, you have anywhere from two-week Three month, six month, yeah. yeah, five year. I think I can't think of one off the top of my head to tell you the truth. But a residency yeah. means um, studio space, or or what does it mean actually? Time to work, right? Where you get to extract yourself from your day to day and can really focus on a project. But uh, that level of uh, of uh, of duration, I it's very rare. Yeah, because here it doesn't involve. It's not. There's no financial element to it, so it's um, it's more of an ongoing. Um, let's say, well, there's different kinds of residencies, right? But uh, this one is more of an ongoing commitment to um, fund projects as they come up, uh, which is always to be discussed, and um, and to show my work, which is also really super important, so that when I make things, they there's a possibility for them to be programmed um, here in Brussels. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's an incredible time scale to be working with, and I, I love it. And it's very clear yeah. in your work that that, that sort of attention to yeah. time and that, and that willingness to take time, which I think, you know, is not just lacking maybe in our residencies here, but I think sometimes feel, things feel rushed in general in the production process. I find it really important not to feel um, pushed into a, into a production cycle that's um, really only about getting a product out there. I, I, have never found that uh, makes good work for me at least and are there any sort of tinglings or sparks of of things that you're excited or thinking about right now as you enter into this five years anything that is particularly sort of coming to light sure right now I'm really excited about working further on sound I, it's something that's come up a bit on my work and uh, also on this participative level as I was saying but uh, I think next I really want to look into singing and uh, voice work this is going to be the next uh, research for the next little while and I think I'll be heading back to the stage I am very I'm very much a stage animal I um, I love performing and I haven't done it now for quite a while so uh, <laughs> I'm curious to get back to it interesting um, I guess that one thought that just came into my head is um, when we started this conversation and the way you introduced yourself is you said that you're an artist from New Zealand and I just can't help but wonder um, if New Zealand plays any uh, prominent role in what you create, just the singular landscape, its remoteness, its culture, its history. Yeah, I sometimes wonder about this myself. I'm about to go back there for three months, and part of it is about me trying to understand again uh, where I'm from and what it, what it means to me now. But um, I think the strongest link I can find is that it is really remote, and um, growing up in New Zealand, I think you're very... My experience, anyway, 
was that you're very aware of the power of nature, which can sound a little um, kind of cliche, I think, if one hasn't experienced it. But I think when you grow up in a place that's really rocked by earthquakes and storms and you're surrounded by sea and it's really um, indisputable how um, incredibly strong nature is. And I can really imagine that's true, of course, in Canada and, and other places as well. Um, and it's very unpopulated. There's not many people living there. And I think all of this has an effect that um, humans seem a little insignificant. Like there's something um, I really even noticed when I came to Europe that, that, that has a human-centric um, outlook. It's what people do and the history of people seems to be incredibly important. And uh, this, is, this was very exotic to me. Um, and the idea of large groups of people living together in these big cities and so on was really very exotic. And it made me sort of on an anthropological level, I think, become more and more interested in, in humans and what are, the, what are the, in, the interdynamics between humans and so on, which always has felt a little uh, like I'm trying to learn that actually after having come from this other extreme where, um, like I say, humans are really not that important. And... Uh, but also, I mean, it has had quite, yeah, it's had some profound effects as well. Like the piece I was talking about earlier, Worktable, um, that piece I, I came up with the idea after I had been at home in New Zealand and there was a really big earthquake in Christchurch in 2011. And uh, I wasn't in that city at the time, I was in Wellington, but I was very, everyone was very impressed by um, the scale of this earthquake. Um, not many people died, uh, Fortunately, but the, the the city was completely destroyed, and I realized that after that, everybody was walking around in Wellington, in in my city, at every moment, thinking to themselves, "Okay, if if the earthquake hits now, because it's always due in that city, if the earthquake hits now, I have to dive under that table. That uh, window will smash. That cupboard will fall down." So you're just thinking constantly about how everything could be atomized at any moment, and. This is very stressful, of course, but um, there's also something very exciting about it. It's especially, it's something about realizing that all those things that seem so unchangeable and so fixed forever and and just immovable that's actually they could they could come apart and they could be, let's say, deranged um, in an instant, uh, and that there nothing is unchangeable actually, and. Um, coming from, I mean, this experience in Europe where, of course, history feels so heavy and, and some things just feel so entrenched. This sense of um, possibility was very exciting. And, of course, there's some further phases. I mean, after the earthquake, of course, then everyone has to decide what to do next. You have all these little broken pieces of buildings and city and do you try and rebuild it the way it was as a kind of a homage to the history or do you start from fresh and build something that you really need and, and like now or do you just kind of walk over the mountain and go to the next valley and try to forget all of this ever happened. And um, so for work table, this, for me, this is a, like a miniaturized version where you, you take this object that's so familiar and you know how it works and what it's for and you decide to take it apart. And then there's this further phase where you try and put something together, which of course has a, so many different meanings and different interpretations and so on. So um, for sure there's some dynamics around that place, which are really... Um, around New Zealand that are still very important to me. Hmm. Beautiful. That's Absolutely. 
beautifully put. I think I think both of us are pretty um, enamored, both with you and your work. This is a really incredible conversation. Thank you, Kate. Great. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you.